Now, Connect FM Sports puts every play under review with Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. The Pens dropped three games to division foes since our last episode. Should this change Ron Hextall's plans going forward? The NFL Draft Combine is two weeks away. What are the strengths and weaknesses of this draft? And who might be on the Steelers' radar? We will discuss this and more with our guest Alex Kazora of Steelers Depot. Do certain aspects of sports, certain players, teams, or odd things in general about sports drive you nuts? If so, you won't want to miss our new hashtag Get Lost segment. I'm Dave Herzing. I'm Dave Glass. And I'm Bob Anderson. Stay tuned as we discuss these topics and more as we go Under Review on Connect FM, your only local news radio. Good evening again, sports fans. Welcome back to Under Review Sports Talk. We have no shortage of things to discuss this week, but we're going to start with the Penguins. The good news is Tristan Jari is back in the crease, but the bad news is the results were the same, guys. Another loss. It was, it's, it's been a pretty uh, disappointing week. I don't think there's any two ways to put it. You know, it's funny. We were talking before the show. If you would have asked me a couple of weeks ago about what the Pens should or shouldn't do as it relates to the looming trade deadline, I would have said, go all in, try to win now. That's not the case anymore. This team isn't going anywhere. I just don't think they have it. And they're so inconsistent, Bob. I mean, two of those three games, we all watched them. They were there to be had. Those Islanders games, they outplayed them for long stretches. They're undone by some timely mistakes untimely mistakes, I should say, and frankly, some pretty poor goalie play in both games. It just seems like the formula has been the same all season, guys. They can't put three periods together, and, you know, those were big losses to division teams. Now they're on the outside of the playoffs looking in. Um, This has to change Ron Hextall's thinking, I would think. One would think, and, and guess who's coming to town tomorrow? The best player in hockey who skates circles around them every single time. I mean, McDavid's making mincemeat out of them every single time they play him. I kind of wish I was going, but not because I think the Pens will win. I just wanted to see McDavid. But, you know, he's kind of the greatest show on ice right now, and I just don't think they have the wheels to stay with him. No, I I really don't either. This team, a lot of their wins, though, are are Western Conference opponents. I just I happen to look for coming in here. They're 0-9 against the Islanders, Hurricanes, and Devils. Um, That's a recipe for disaster. No wonder they're on the outside looking in. Well, get this. uh, They have lost eight games this season when they're leading after two periods. That's horrible. That just never <laughs> happened bad. before with the Penguins. And I think they lead the league in, in that statistic. That's not, that's not one you want to lead the league in. No, and, and you talked about it earlier. You know, this group, they're just – they're not they're fragile they're, you know and I, I don't I don't want to make judgments about anybody's mentality or anything, but, but as a team, as a cohesive unit, they just can't close the deal. And we – I mean – I test statistics, whatever you want to use. It's obvious they're missing something. And what that something is, part of its talent, part of its age, but part of its chemistry. They're just not getting it done. I don't think that they can trade their way out of this either. There's just too many pieces that are missing, and you got to construct a whole third line. But let's talk about this. That third line, they just continue to trot them back out there. We, you know, game after game, Jeff Carter back at center. Um, you know, that. 
part of it to me is is on Mike Sullivan, and I know we all love Mike Sullivan, but he's got to do something different, doesn't he? Oh, I agree. I, I don't understand it. And, uh, you know, it's funny. We were comparing notes beforehand, and D and I wrote down the same things about the third line. I mean, it's so obvious. Now let him go into the stats. But, but you know, everything that the stats tell you, the eye test backs it up. But this is one of these cases where, well, maybe the stats are wrong. I mean, you look at that line, they're totally ineffective. It's to the point now where um, Kapanen is pretty clearly the most effective player, and that's bad. Yeah, so. that, that's really bad. And, and really, the only, the only reason why he's able to be, be that way is his speed. He's utilizing his God-given ability. But, you know, we, we've all watched enough, enough hockey. You, you see things and you pick up on trends. Carter's not scoring. He's got one point in his last 17 games. McGinn, zero points in his last 23 games. Now think about that. He's getting 13 minutes a night. I could do that. Yeah, absolutely. You could you know, do that. And also, the blame doesn't fall squarely on that third line. I mean, look at Bluger. He's got one goal. 30 games since his last goal. He's got three assists, and one of them was on an empty netter. I mean, it's 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 very disheartening as a fan to understand Sullivan's mindset. I There's got to be options for him down in Wilkes-Barre or to shift the lines. I mean, you have to be able to do something with this third line. I, I get the veteran presence of Carter. I get you don't want to upset the guy, but what is he doing? He's awful. I haven't, I haven't watched the uh, prospects in Wilkes-Barre. There has to be something better. It's just, it seems to me like their salary cap has them, you know, hands handcuffed. They, they can't do anything. Well, they're in cap hell. And I did, I did go and look at Wilkes-Barre's stats before we, you know, this afternoon. And uh, there's two guys who have 20 goals, and then it drops off rapidly after that. You know, their prospects, Lagar, he, he's been terrible. I mean, I think he has 12 points in, in uh, Wilkes-Barre. It, it, there's no help coming. And I think that's part of why I'm reluctant to bash Sullivan too much. He can only deal with the cards that he's been dealt, and he his hand is very poor. I, I put this more on Hextall. Scratch Jeff Carter one game. Just give him a break. Well, I, I, I'm for Hard that. Reset. I mean, Hard reset. I, I'm for the idea of, of shuffling things around. You know, when they were good, he was playing line roulette pretty often if they got an, even a little slump, and it seems like – it almost seems like he knows there's not much he can do, and, and, and rather than try to shake things up, he's trying to build up their their mental confidence by he's all you know. No matter what, it's like oh, we're going to be okay, we're going to be okay, and the players are saying that. And guys, it's late. They're not okay. They're not okay at all. No, it this changed recently. This was from a few days ago, but they are they were the worst offensive line in hockey. Now they're the fourth worst offensive line in hockey. They're the 15th worst line in all of hockey, defensive and offensive pairings. You're talking about that third line. For the third mm-hmm. line. And there was I, I wish I'd written this down. Uh, on the NHL Network, they had said their value is the worst for any line in hockey as far as cap hit. Mm. So, and, and again, it just speaks volumes. You have to get scoring from other, anyone other than your top six, and it's just not coming for the Penguins. And that's the reason why they can't hold leads. They, they don't scare anyone. It just they're they're not an imposing team. I mean, when when Zucker is your most imposing player, mm. well, I mean, I will say this: the first line has been really good. I mean, Crosby is still a dominant player. Malkin is on pace to play seventy plus games for the first time since eighteen, and only the second time since twenty twelve. Who would have thought that you're getting, you know, health out of Malkin, dominance out of Crosby, Latang's rounding back into form, and yet that shows that it's not enough to have stars playing at that high level. And Edmonton proves that over and over. I mean, they've got two of the best players in all of hockey, and they struggle every year just to get into the playoffs. You've yeah. got to have a full roster. And Toronto realized that. They went out and made a big deal to get Ryan O'Reilly out of hat trick last night. Well, we, we're getting way off topic, but I'll tell you what, Toronto, 
they're all in. If they don't get out of the first round this year, I'll bet they blow that thing up like crazy because they, they, you want to talk about a team that's given up all their assets for this. I mean, if you look at their future, it's pretty bleak. So we go back to last summer, and I think a lot of us were critical. They said they shouldn't bring all three of the stars back. But really, it hasn't been the stars, it and it isn't the their contracts because they're all making pretty reasonable money. Very cap-friendly. Yeah, the terms are probably a little too long. But yet, you know, it's, it's the complementary pieces here that it, are it comes back. It comes back to Hextall. I mean, you look at, you know, we've talked about Carter, and, you know, this isn't about Carter. It's about the contract given to Carter and the fact that he was given a no-trade clause. Who gives a no-trade clause to a guy who's 38 years old? Why do you do that? And, and some of the talent that we let go to keep him. I mean, you've got... All these players that that would look really good right now. Tanev, you don't think Tanev would give oh, them be, a big he'd be boost? Unbelievable! His you energy coming. I mean, the guy's a maniac on the ice. He would look really good again in black and gold. We, we don't think Jared McCann would help this yeah. team. I mean, all these players that that Hextall let go in order in the expansion draft to keep people like Jeff Carter. It made no sense then, and it makes a whole lot less sense now. Well, we we got just a couple minutes left here, guys. So, do you think, given the last three games, they lost? three big games and the standings are now out of the playoff hunt. I mean, they're, they still have games in hand, so they're in decent position in, in that. But if they don't turn their game around, they're going to be, you know, up the Creek without a paddle. Does this change their thoughts? Should they be sellers at the deadline instead of buyers? Well, I would, I mean, at the very least, you got to stand pat. If you expend assets on this group, that's a fireable defense. I mean, they're going nowhere and no, nobody could think one trade's going to solve this problem. Draft picks are at a premium. They've got a pretty deep draft. I understand why he wants to keep that pick. Keep the pick. If you want to give this group a chance to sneak in, fine, sneak in. But don't be giving away what few assets you have on some kind of pipe dream. Yeah, right? uh, one of the writers I was reading uh, online suggested getting rid of uh, Pickering. To, what, what? Come on. I mean, that guy's having a nice you know, minor league career right now. He's a big guy. I mean, he's going to be one of their top defensive defensemen, maybe the top defenseman here in several years. You can't get rid of that. Dumoulin's an unrestricted free agent. You could dump him. Zucker, although he pairs well with Malkin, he's not an essential player. You could dump him. They don't have a lot of assets. They they really don't. And and that's that's the problem for this team right now. And and their farm system is not great either, as David mentioned. Completely barren. Yeah, yeah I'm not for giving up good players for rentals. But if you can get somebody in here that they can you know keep for a couple of years, I'd be all for that. I think Pickering's good, but he's probably what three four years yeah, away. Yeah, he's a ways away. Is that going to help them now? You know, obviously not. And in three or four years, they're just going to be terrible. I did see that your uh, trade target is out for a while, though, um, Jonathan yeah. Taves. Yeah, Taves, that didn't work out. He's got long COVID, and it looks like his season might be over. And and, and you wonder what, you know, he's been so up and down lately. I mean, he might just hang him up at some point. This has been, you know, this long COVID thing's no joke, and I really feel for him. Uh, I really wish we could talk about the goalie situation. Uh, we don't have – we got to keep moving on. But, guys, the other thing is – with the problems that Tristan Jari's had, you know, being injured and now being inconsistent, he's a free agent. There might not be a goalie on this roster now that plays there next year. And so that's a that's an open question too. We'll come back to that in a couple of weeks, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, when we come back, we have a quick segment here as talking about local sports. We have a guest. And then after that, we're going to get Alex Kazora on the line to talk NFL draft. Stay with us as we go under review. Honey, I'm home. 
A chopping gun. Great. Look at this handcrafted jewelry and designs by Flying L Beadworks. But this book from Claire Kreiner, a local author, and these cool, high-quality vinyl stickers that are dishwasher safe. But they're great for water bottles. Honey. What? Did you go to Dubois Feeds? Where do you think I got all this cool stuff? Oh, the pet food and birdseed is in the trunk. Dubois Feeds, home of From Pet Food and so much more. With curbside and drive-thru at West Dubois Avenue. For 26 years, Dubois Feeds. If you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-477-6061. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. Scattered rain showers likely tonight, otherwise overcast skies. Lows around 35, south winds 10 to 15 miles per hour. Cloudy skies tomorrow, scattered rain showers likely. Highs level off around 66. Slight chance for scattered rain showers again tomorrow night. Lows dip down to about 28, mainly cloudy skies expected. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 35. I'm Dan Kennard, and this is the Connect FM Local Youth Sports Beat for February 22nd. We're going to back it up just a little bit as we start to talk about District 9 basketball playoff action. Last Thursday through Saturday, the Allegheny Mountain League tournament semifinals and championship games were played. In boys' action, Elk County Catholic upended St. Mary's in the semifinal round 51-29, while Ridgeway was beating Johnsonburg 43-26. That set up the AML championship game between Elk County Catholic and Ridgeway, which the Crusaders won in overtime 31-29 over the Elkers. And in girls' AML, tournament action. The semifinal round was Elk County Catholic against Dubois Central Catholic and Elk won that one 45-23. St. Mary's downed Kane 49-28 and that set up the girls title game between Elk County Catholic and St. Mary's and the Lady Crusaders topped the Lady Dutch 36-31. The District 9 basketball tournament is underway. Last night, the Class AAA Boys Championship game was played. Only two D9 teams in AAA. That would be Brookville and Monotaw. And the Raiders topped Monotaw 63-37 last night. Brookville's Clayton Cook scored 17 points. And uh, he had 11 points for the Raiders in the third quarter alone. Brookville now with an overall record of 20-2. The Raiders will play Perry Tradition. Academy in a sub-regional semifinal game in District 8 on Friday night. And the winner of that game is going to play the District 5 champion, which will either be Bedford or Chestnut Ridge, and then two teams from the District's 5, 8, and 9 sub-regional will advance to the PIAA playoffs. 
In the Class Single A bracket for the boys, Elk County Catholic is the top team. Dubois Central Catholic seated number two. And quarterfinal action will begin Friday evening. Elk County Catholic is going to be hosting Smithport. And Dubois Central Catholic welcomes in Keystone in that first round. Among the Class AA teams, Ridgeway is seated number four. Kerwinsville seated number eight. And they're both playing tonight. Kerwinsville has a tall order, going to be on the road to face the number one-seeded AA team. That's Otto Eldred, and Ridgeway is going to be playing host to Red Bank Valley tonight. Among the Quad A teams, Clearfield is the number one seed. They get a bye. St. Mary's is seeded number two. Punxsutawney, number three. The Chucks and the Flying Dutch are going to face each other Thursday evening, that game will be played at Dubois High School. And then the Class 4A Boys Championship game is going to be played on Friday, March 3rd. And that's going to be at Tippin Gymnasium at Penn West Clarion. Now moving to the girls' brackets for District 9 basketball playoffs in Class Single A. Seated number two is Elk County Catholic. Dubois Central Catholic, the number four seeded team. And Ridgeway is seated in the number six spot. In a game played last night, a preliminary game in that bracket, Northern Potter upended Oswego Valley 32-23. The games that are coming up Thursday evening include Dubois Central Catholic hosting Port Allegheny. Ridgeway will play at North Clarion, and Elk County Catholic welcomes in Clarion. In the Quad A classification for District 9 girls, Punxsutawney gets the top seed and a bye. St. Mary's is seeded number two, Clearfield at number three. And coming up Thursday evening, Clearfield plays St. Mary's at Dubois High School. And then the championship game between the winner of that game against Punxsutawney is going to be at a neutral site at a time and place to be announced. Now moving on to District 9 Wrestling, four Dubois Beavers wrestlers won individual titles at the District's 4 and 9 Class 3A Wrestling Championships last Saturday in Jersey Shore. Dubois Samson Deeb at 127 pounds, Brendan Orr 133, and Davey Auchenbaugh at 139, plus Zach Gallagher at 285 all claimed titles. Dubois claimed fourth place in team standings at that tournament. Punxsutawney was the fifth place team. The top five wrestlers in each weight class are participating in the 3A Northwest Regional Tournament, which will be in Altoona this coming weekend. And at the District 9 Class AA Tournament in Clarion this weekend, Brockway, Brookville, and Clearfield each have two top seeds. St. Mary's has one top seed ready to compete. The top seeds for the Rovers include brothers Weston Pisarchik at 106 and Parker Pisarchik at 133. Brookville's top seeds are Jackson Zimmerman at 189 and Cole Householder at 120. And the number one seeds for Clearfield include Evan Davis at 121 and Brady Collins at 139. And the top seed for St. Mary's is Waylon Wheeler at 172. And that'll do it for this week's Connect FM Local Youth Sports Beat. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Dan Kenner. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. 
We're back with Under Review Sports Talk. The NFL draft is at the end of April, but draft season is coming up and the NFL Combine is just two weeks away. The Steelers Depot website and podcast are great resources to learn about the prospects and the Steelers in general. Alex Kazor is one of the contributors to that site, and we are very fortunate to have him on the air with us right now. Alex, thanks for joining us today. Hey, guys. I appreciate you having me on. It's great to have you. With the understanding that things are going to change, obviously, as free agency goes along and the offseason progresses, what do you think are the Steelers' biggest needs right now? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, and a lot can and will change from now until the draft, for example, but but defensive line easily has to be the biggest priority, biggest area of need as things currently stand. Really, it's Cam Hayward and not a lot else known right now. Multiple free agents in Larry Ogunjobi, Tyson Alu-Alu, who's almost certain to retire, Chris Wormley, who tore his ACL in week 14 of this past year. And so with all that uncertainty about him, young guys like Isaiah Latimoke, the Marvin Leal, what are they? Can they start? Can they give you 700 snaps? That's pretty questionable. I think defensive line easily is the biggest need, but certainly not the only one. Inside linebacker, strong safety. It's, if Terrell Edmonds is not re-signed, cornerback could be a need as well. Cam Sutton, the biggest free agent this team has, the failed slot receiver offensive line. So a lot of areas this team could go, but D-line uh, rises above the rest. Well, I think it's interesting you mentioned a lot of defensive positions in there when I think a lot of Steelers fans are just begging for that offensive line to be, get bolstered here a little bit. Let me ask you this, Alex. How do you think this draft lines up with the defensive line? Are there good prospects to be had in the first round, second round? Yeah, I think there's some some talent there. I don't know if it's as strong as it has been in past years, although it's pretty early right now. Trying to find that name at 17 along the D-line is a little difficult to do. Brian Brisset from Clemson is probably the most popular name in that range, although he's kind of a boom-bust, polarizing type guy that has the tools and traits, athleticism, but is light on production. So how Pittsburgh judges that will be interesting. Some day two guys that certainly fit. Keanu Benton from Wisconsin just looks like a Steelers defense alignment, has the size, the body type for Pittsburgh. It's hard to find that guy that fits what the Steelers want. 6'4", 33-plus inch arms, 300-plus pounds. Benton is one of those guys who was under great coaching up there in Wisconsin, so that's a guy that makes sense uh, on day two. At 17, not saying there aren't names there, but there maybe aren't many names there, and you do wonder, could this team go somewhere else, cornerback, for example, because of the strength of that class may outweigh the lack of top-end talent at defensive line. Hey, Alex, Dave Glass here. I want to switch up a little bit and go more of a kind of a macro question for you. Um, I think we can agree that Devin Bush was a pretty big bust, and that's a, that's somebody who was kind of drafted on projection, uh, you know, because they tried to switch him to a different position. Uh, what do you what do you think about that when when teams draft more on projection than what they actually see on tape? Uh, you know, how much of a risk do you think that is when teams get into that? Yeah, it's always a risk. Um, whether you're trying to draft based off of exactly what they were in college and can that translate? Remember, Jarvis Jones was not the most athletic guy. They drafted off of production and what he did there, and that did not translate. And you have cases like Artie Burns and, as you mentioned, Devin Bush and guys that were hopefully the athletic guys you could mold and teach and coach, and, and those didn't uh, work out you know, well enough either. And so I think what happened with Devin Bush was the scarcity of, of, of top-end talent that year was Devin White and Devin Bush, and neither Devin turned out to be that good of a pick, but there was a big drop-off there, and frankly, this team was trying to look for a replacement for Ryan Chase here, that ultra-athletic, sideline-to-sideline linebacker 
terms of the guys that really had the big athletic testing, those were the two in 2019. Obviously, wrong decision, but new regime coming in with Omar Khan, Andy White, we'll see um, what changes they make to their draft strategy. That's a great point about the new regime. Uh, I, I do want to ask one more kind of macro question. You know, there's, there's been a lot of talk I've seen on the Internet about the Combine, and, you know, it's a little bit more controversial maybe than it used to be. Do you think that the Combine process is useful, or is it, is it seen its day? Oh, no, it's definitely still useful. It's probably less useful for the things you, you see on TV as, as opposed to the things you don't see on TV, the 40 times, and, and those things are important. And with the rise of analytics, you know, creating some of those metrics and athletic scores that can be a big projector in determining you know pro bowl success and nfl success as a whole but the things that are probably the most critical components of the combine are the medical and the interview processes these teams and coaches get to really look at these guys and talk to them face to face and then of course go through their due diligence medically for injuries past injuries guys that are dealing with stuff um so the combine is always was really created for the medical aspect at central location for these guys to to get a physical um, but, but I would say there's also still that importance of the athletic profile in terms of how you test and how that could tell you about the chances of that guy succeeding at the next level. Hey, Alex, uh, this is Dave Herzing. Thank you for coming on the show, by the way. Really appreciate your time. I had a couple questions specifically related to certain players. Uh, first would be Trenton Simpson, uh, linebacker from Clemson, uh, 6'3", 237, uh, physique to kill for, um, what are your thoughts on him? I know you'd mentioned Devin Bush not working out. Do you, do you see some value maybe in the second round with a player like that? Oh, sure. There's definitely value there, and I wouldn't even necessarily rule out 17 for a guy like, like Trenton Simpson because uh, that is a guy that has the size and athleticism and that prof- profile that Pittsburgh looks for, and obviously there's going to be a likely needed inside linebacker. I think Robert Splain comes back, but he's not a long-term fixture, and Miles Jack you know, was hurt the second half of last year, and he's going to probably be – uh, his final year in Pittsburgh in 2023. So I don't want to rule anything out in terms of where that could be. I, I just wonder about the way this, this roster has been built. And if you have a, a really strong inside linebacker, but not a great defensive line, it's harder for that inside linebacker to work well. It's kind of like a, a running back that can you know make hay behind a good offensive line, but a good running back is going to struggle behind a, a pretty poor offensive line. So you want to try to build this thing inside out. That's the lens that, that Andy Weidel has always kind of worked um, from. So, you know, don't want to discount that guy entirely, but you do wonder this team has tried to go inside linebacker before D-line in the past hasn't worked out. Do they want to try to do that again? That'll be the debate. All right. And the second question um, is about a specific player as well. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., obviously the connection there to the Steelers. You know, I've talked with some people uh, who are more realistic with Joey Porter Jr. being a first-round selection. Could be there at 17. I know you'd mentioned about cornerback depth. Some people I've talked to had said he's no better than a fourth-round pick, which I couldn't disagree more with. What are your thoughts on him? And specifically, if they're not able to get him, who are some options maybe later in the draft, seeing as how this, this draft is rich with cornerbacks? Yeah, I think Porter's a good prospect, one of those many first-round guys in that conversation. The only concern with him, and I don't like to be beholden to one particular stat, but one interception for Porter Jr. in his college career. And to some extent, I'm sure quarterbacks are throwing away from him, but Pittsburgh's been a team that's really put that priority on playmaking, taking the football away. They tied for the NFL lead in 22 with uh, 20 interceptions. They want guys that can create those splash plays. Will Porter be that guy? We'll have to see. So, I mean, I, I like him, though. I like a lot of the other guys in that first-run conversation, Christian Gonzalez, Morgan, uh, Devin Wither, uh, Witherspoon from Illinois, uh, Cam Smith from 
South Carolina. So it's a really strong cornerback class, I think, in that top you know, 50, top 75 picks overall. In terms of later guys uh, in the draft, one guy at the, at the Senior Bowl I tended that we have to talk about is Julius Brent from Kansas State. Now, Tariq Woolen was that steal the Seahawks had last year, and Brent is cut from a similar cloth. Not quite the athlete, won't run the way that Woolen ran, but Brent is 6'3", with great length, physical, and had a really strong week. Um, down there in Mobile, so did Caillou Blue Kelly from Stanford. Thought he was really competitive uh, throughout that week of practices. So I think the cornerback room uh, in this class overall, it may lack that superstar at the top like a Sauce Gardner last year, but the depth is really quality throughout. We're joined by Alex Gazora, the Steelers Depot. Alex, um, I'm kind of with you on the trenches, but I want to go to the other side of the trenches. I want that offensive line to look really good for Kenny Pickett, open up some holes for Najee Harris. Uh, what can you tell us about the three top offensive tackles who are in most of the mocks? I see Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky, and Broderick Jones. Uh, do you have a preference there, and do you think any of them will be, be available at 17 when the Steelers pick? I think someone will be available. It's hard to really say who. Maybe Skaronsky drops because of the concerns over size and some projecting him inside the guard, but could he stay at left tackle like fellow Northwestern uh, player Rashawn Slater? Now, Slater was a little bit different body type, a little more athletic overall, but Skaronsky was just a fantastic college player. All the metrics tell that story. So I think somebody falls because, you know, the difference between the 23 class and the 22 class is that in, in 22, no quarterbacks went in the top 10. Nobody went until Kenny Pickett at number 20 and then not again until the third round. This year, you're going to have four quarterbacks that go in the top 10 plus some other you know, blue-chip prospects and Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. That's going to push down some of the offensive linemen who are still going to go pretty early, but it may leave one of those guys left. So do I have a preference right now? I'm still working through some of my tape study on those top names you're talking about. I don't know if I have a preference right now. I think Pittsburgh, obviously, they like the, the size, the pedigree, so... Roderick Jones from Georgia and Paris Johnson, Ohio State, may push ahead of Skaronsky, um just a little bit. But I think if you could get any of those guys at 17, it's certainly worth examining. And if they don't take the offensive tackle in the first round, I'm thinking maybe center or interior in the second round, maybe like uh, John Michael Schmitz. You know, the Steelers have had a nice history of great centers. Do you like uh, Schmitz? I do. I, that was a name I was thinking of the second that you mentioned the interior offensive line and a guy that I didn't know a ton about before going down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl, but one of my favorite guys exiting that. Now, he played at only center at Minnesota. I think he has the size and length and the skill set to play at guard because I would prefer to keep Mason Cole in the middle, but this guy's athletic. This guy's nasty. This guy has great anchor and pass protection experience, and again, he has the size to move to guard. He's not an undersized center, and in Pittsburgh, if you're going to be a guard, you better have some size. Undersized guys there do not work at left and right guard. So to me, if he's there at 32, and I even wonder if he'll make it out of the first round, but if he's there at 32, top pick of the second round, I'm all in on John, John Michael Schmitz. Well, and you mentioned possibly uh, upgrading some of those positions. They've invested quite a bit of actual money and in, in acquisitions. So that leads me to the question, are there going to be some cap casualties? The Steelers are always right against the cap. Some of those defensive players have absolutely astronomical cap numbers. I'm sure they'll try to do some, you know, reforming, you know, push some money down the, down the road as they do. But do you see anybody actually just getting cut for cap reasons? At least one in cornerback William Jackson III. And I know that ultimately Pittsburgh didn't have to give up a draft pick for him. It became a conditional pick and the conditions were not met. But Pittsburgh still traded and then paid for William Jackson. A big mistake by new GM Omar Khan, uh, 30 years old with a back injury. Shouldn't have traded for him in the first place unless they're going to 
drastically, like 90% you know, pay cut with William Jackson, which I doubt will happen. He's got a $12 billion salary next year. Uh, that's untenable. He's going to be cut for sure. From there, it gets interesting. Quarterback Mitch Trubisky, a lot of debate about that. Art Rooney saying he expects Trubisky to be on the roster next year. The owner says something. I'm going to go with it until proven otherwise. Miles Jack, linebacker, cornerback Akella Witherspoon, or other potential cap casualties. Can't say with certainty those guys will be cut, but I can say William Jackson will be cut before March 15th. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Alex. You're Omar Khan. Pick 17's up. Who are you taking? <laughs> that is on the spot. That's a big question on February 22nd. I wish I'm going to give a very like political answer. I wish I had a good answer for you right now. I just don't know of that one particular name. I might be leaning corner because of the strength of that group. Christian Gonzalez from Oregon with a spoon from Illinois are two guys that really capture my attention. But it will. I don't know if that one guy is kind of crystallized and, and, and rounded in the form. I don't know if the pick this year will be quite as obvious as past years when it was quarterback and running back and um, some of those tea leaves. But very excited to see the way the Pittsburgh scouts this year. Again, are there any changes under Omar Khan, under Andy Weidel, or will it be same old Seagulls? This team is generally extremely easy to predict and project based on where they go for their pro day travels, and those are starting in a couple of weeks. So uh, this should be a really interesting draft year. Uh, one last question from me with a new uh, group, you know, GM, a new front office. Do you think they'll be more aggressive and and perhaps trying to trade up? Is there somebody out there that you think would be worth trading up maybe seven or eight picks for? I don't know if that guy exists in terms of worth trading up for. Will they do it? I get asked this a lot, and it's a valid question, and I understand the framing of the question. My answer, though, is maybe. It really <laughs> just depends. And I don't That's think fair. even the team would know right now because – it depends on what you do in free agency, what what you're getting offered on draft day, when those offers actually come in, what does the board look like, what's left, you know, the, a million variables that we really can't talk about right now. So I don't think even Pittsburgh could answer that with certainty. I will say this. I will give you at least one definitive, more concrete answer here. I think, not saying it's, it's destined to happen in the first round this year, but this team will and should be more open to trading down. Kevin Kober is very conservative when it came to trading down in his entire Steelers GM career. He only traded down three times. The last time he traded down and draft at any point was 2010. So it's been over a decade, and that was a probably a really conservative approach that he took. I imagine that Omar Khan, Andy Weidel, will be more open to trading down. They don't have a fifth or sixth-round pick. They may trade down at some point in the draft to try to recoup and bridge that gap between the fourth and seventh rounds. Alex, this was awesome. We really enjoyed talking to you. I love reading those scouting reports on your website if people haven't seen those. Tell us where we can find you. How can we find your work? Yeah, you can check us out at SteelersDepot.com. And thank you for that. The uh, draft profiles that we've had from the entire team have been fantastic. We're hoping to do over 250 this year to really cover basically every sort of prospect that may come to Pittsburgh. If you guys want any more draft uh, content this Sunday, you can find my YouTube channel. Just search Alex Kazora at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be doing a live mock draft in conjunction with the website Walk the Mock. There'll be a uh, 31 other GMs drafting with me live with trades, a three-round draft. It should be a lot of fun. Done those in the past, and it's really cool to kind of put on my GM hat for a second and remind myself I'm not that good of a GM, and I'll let Omar Khan and Andy Weidel uh, handle things. But uh, <laughs> join us Sunday at 8 p.m. Hey, just so you take an offensive lineman. We appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, guys. Take care. You we'll too. be right back with Under Review. Sports stock. Why are doctors so smart? Because they were such good pupils. 
children with vision problems struggle with academics, socially, and in sports. Dr. Shaw at Main Street Eye Care in Dubois wants your student to go to school with all the right tools, and that includes great vision. Make a comprehensive eye examination a priority this year. It's one of the single most important investments you can make in your child's education and overall health. Schools offer basic vision screenings that often create a false sense of security. Schedule your appointment. Call or log in to MainStreetEyeCare.com. You've seen the paintings. The Thanksgiving turkey being served at grandma's. Can I have the, the weathered farmer sending his baby-faced son off to college. Now be sure and write. The wise police officer sitting at the soda bar talking a young boy out of running away from home. Where are you going? Norman Rockwell didn't create the best in us. He just inspired the best. Inspiration. Pass it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Do you ever get the feeling that the world is being held together with duct tape? Every day we're thrown some new meaningless drama in the fake news to distract us from the reality we're all about to face. Between the government trying to print their way out of debt, military conflicts, the disintegration of our most trusted institutions, and a looming food shortage, preparedness is no longer a choice. It's a necessity. You can trust my Patriot Supply. Our emergency food kits come packed with tasty meals, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one kit for each person in your family. Self-reliance is the only alternative to government food lines. Time is running out. Become ungovernable. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and save on dozens of different emergency food kits while you can. These kits are in stock, ship fast, and arrive in unmarked boxes for your privacy. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com before the next crisis strikes. MyPatriotSupply.com Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. Hey guys, that was a lot of fun talking to Alex there. Uh, he is so knowledgeable. He threw out a lot of things for us to talk about. Let's start on the uh, on the defensive line. He brought that up. It seemed like that was his top priority. Um, I've read a little bit about the defensive line. It doesn't seem to be as deep this year as in other years, so they might have to maybe take one early if they're going to get a good one. Well, I think this comes back to I me, mean, and this is something I think you and I disagree on. I, I, I think the D-line is a huge priority. Cam Hayward is actually old for defensive linemen in the NFL, and he, he played great this year, but he's at the age where you can just fall off a cliff uh, with your performance very quickly. And he mentioned those other guys are not coming back. Um, yeah, you've got an you know an all time you know end with Watt, but that's really about it. And and they they've got to make an investment there. It comes down to do you draft for need or you draft for best available. Um, if it's not strong at, at D line in the first li- first round, I say take best available. But you cannot let this draft go without addressing it. Yeah, I don't want to be pigeonholed into one position in that first round. That's how they ended up with Devin Bush. Well, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. If it were me, I'd protect Kenny Pickett. I would make sure there were holes for Najee to run through. Steelers don't do that, though. They don't draft offensive linemen. They haven't drafted an offensive lineman in the past 10 years. Maybe they'll buck that trend. I mean, Jones would look great on that line. I, I just don't see it happening, though. I, they're the type of franchise, maybe Omar Khan's philosophy is different. It's but different he, now. You never know. But he's been there for over 20 years. I hope he's not Kevin Colbert light, which let, let's hope he's not. 
I just, I would protect Kenny Pickett first and foremost. That's where I want to go to. I mean, look at the uh, Eagles offensive line and Jalen Hurts made a huge step this year, but a lot of that is they had a great offensive line protecting him. So I want to go, you know, Peter Skaronsky makes a lot of sense for me. And I think that he's the one that maybe of the three biggies might fall because of his arm length. We'll find out next week at the Combine. Well, I have no problem with drafting a tackle, you know, one of those franchise tackles to protect your franchise quarterback. That that always will play as long, but you got to get it right. I mean, you can't afford if you're going to take that cho- chance. And, you know, if they do try to trade up for something like that, I remember when they traded up for Polamalu and it worked out. But when you make that kind of a move and you give up assets to move up a few spots, you better be darn sure. To me, I always look at the draft more as a lottery, and the more lottery tickets you have, the better. That's why I loved what he said about getting a more of a trade-down mindset. Unless you know you've got this one guy that you are absolutely convinced is the guy, why not move down, get more picks? How many times do the Steelers draft a second or third round wideout who goes on to become amazing? You know, they're lottery tickets. If, they, if everybody knew they were going to be that good, they'd draft them in the first round. You know, we talk about trade downs every year. That's probably not going to happen with the Steelers. They always stand pat, I feel like. There's a, uh, an exception here and there, but it's very rare that they, they trade down. Now, they've traded up a couple of years here, but I don't look for that to happen. So let's not get our hopes up too high there. Yeah, for sure. I'll tell you, one thing I thought about when th- before coming in here was how valuable that Claypool trade is for them now. Oh, I mean, huge. My goodness, you think about having two second-round picks. I mean, look at the value they got last year with Pickens. Uh, I, I, that's just huge. I mean, in Claypool, you know, he's he ne- he didn't perform the way they thought he was going to. Having like having those lottery picks, having three picks in in the first two rounds, that's massive for a team like the Steelers that really needs to, to fill a lot of holes. And, and it's essentially a first round pick because you know Miami lost their pick, so it really is the thirty second pick, and so that that's really really exceptional value. And I'm going to contradict myself here because <laughs> that thirty second pick, I feel like that's their trade down opportunity. After the first night, all the teams that say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this player is still on the board are going to be calling the Steelers. That's going to be their opportunity to maybe recoup a pretty nice, you know, second or third round pick. That's a great point, Bob, because of that break between the two. You know, you're right. A lot of GMs might kind of be in a little bit of panic mode there and like, oh, well, maybe we can get two or three lower picks for that pick. And even if you move down eight or ten slots, if you can get some extra value, why not? Yeah, if, if they pick somebody at 17 on off, on the offensive side of the ball that's a skill player, I, it, I don't even know what to say. I, I don't think they'll make that mistake again, though. I think they have the necessary pieces. They have a, they have a star running back. They have a, a star in the making wide receiver. Kenny Pickett last year, the final few games, really figured out how to play football. I think the game slowed down for him quite a bit. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what goes. But they – Again, I can't stress this enough. You look at any of the top teams in the NFL, they protect their quarterback. They protect that blind side. I really do think that's the primary need for the Steelers this year. Yeah, and I think a lot of fans will be clamoring for Jordan Addison, you know, that yeah. picket to Addison connection. But you know what? I'm with you, Dave. And D, I, I want the I want the trenches. Give me the big guys, give me the ugly guys, the people movers. I want one of them this year. Well, and you've got to protect Pickett, you know, because this is I'm a big believer that year two is always the year, or almost always the year, where you really tell if a quarterback's going to work out. I mean, you look at Peyton Manning, his rookie year, the team was terrible, he was terrible. It kind of looked like, well, is this going to work out? Year two, boom, the light came on. You know, Pickett was pretty good. I thought he got better as the year went on. You could see the the light bulb coming on. But this is going to be that year where you see, is this guy truly going to be an elite franchise quarterback? Is he going to be a pretty good above-average quarterback? Or does he plateau? 
and you've got to give them every chance. And, and that's where, even though I said the D-line is probably the biggest area of need, a left tackle probably is, is the long-term biggest need. Yeah, and I'll tell you, one thing I've, I've thought about too, all of us have started new jobs, done different things. He's going into a GM role. Again, he's been a part of that organization. He was obviously with New Orleans, and then he came to the Steelers over 20 years ago. He could really make a statement if he if he hits on this draft. If you look, Kevin Colbert, he, he missed a lot. You look at the, the draft picks from 2017, 18, there were some real swing and misses. So he really needs to get this right. Yeah, if you in the NFL with the cap and and everything else and the competitiveness of it, if you don't hit your draft pretty regularly, you know, hit some picks, you you, you go downhill in a hurry. The one thing that encourages me, Andy Weidel's going to be on board. He's going to set the draft board apparently. I mean, Mike Tomlin will probably make the ultimate decision, but Andy Weidel's from Philadelphia. They value the trenches. So we're going to uh, wrap up this segment here. We're going to be back with a pond further review. Stay with us on Under Review Talk Radio. With the Connect FM local news update, I'm Dan Kennard reporting. Here's what's happening. Seven distinguished professors for 2023 have been named by Penn State's Office of the Vice Provost for Faculty Affairs, and one of them is a Penn State Dubois professor. Ping Wan Werner, a professor of engineering at the Dubois campus, was given the distinguished professor title in recognition of her outstanding academic contribution to the university. As one of the originators of the Computational Electromagnetics and Antennas Research Laboratory, Werner is considered a pioneer and leader in her field of engineering. And investigation continues into a student making threats at Jeff Tech last week. State police say that following a verbal altercation at the Reynoldsville school, the suspect allegedly sent a message to a friend threatening to bring a Glock into school. The suspect was detained until authorities could make sure he did not possess a weapon. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson and Dave Glass. And we're back. We got this upon further review segment. I I really look forward to this, guys, because I don't know what you're going to throw at me here. Uh, last week I, I went first and we went to Dave Glass. We're going to go back, back the other way around. So we're going to start with D tonight. What do you got for us? Uh, well, uh, two dirty words. One's a four letter word, but this one should be as well. Load management, uh, load management in the NBA. I am a massive NBA fan. It's awful. It's, it's ruining the game. I don't understand how these players in good and clear conscience can just sit these games out. Who would have known back in it greg popovich was the one that really started this back in 2012 it was a game against miami and he and he sat his players out david Sturm was the commissioner at the time he ended up fining him over two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and he said it was a disservice to the fans in the game and it's continued if you look at if you go to nba games or any sporting event all of us go to games all the time you realize the cost of these things a family of four I looked to, to sit in the upper level seats for any NBA arena, parking, food, a family of four is $444 on average to, to go to one game. Myself, I've, I've taken my son to several NBA games, and this year I went to see Luca out in Cleveland, I went to see Steph, and then I went to see Giannis. All three of them sat. Steph in particular, we were there, they sat pretty much the entire Warriors starting lineup except for Jordan Poole. I'd say one out of three children in the audience or in the stands, excuse me, had a Steph Curry jersey on. 
it was really disheartening as a fan to see that. These guys talk about their minutes played. They talk about you know wear and tear on their bodies. These guys are getting paid a lot of money, and the fans, they're doing them a huge disservice. The primetime games, this is a stat from a couple of weeks ago. There were 70 primetime games, and I read this stat. 58 of them didn't have one of the marquee stars. That's not good for the league. In the NFL, look at these. I mean, granted, there's only 17 games in the playoffs. There's not as much. It's a higher-impact game. But these guys play. The NHL, it goes without saying, these guys are warriors. They play, they'll play through anything. There's, there's talk of you know, having these players only sit home games. There's talk of 72-game season. Steve Kerr has been a big advocate for, for the longest time for that. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on load management, Dave or, or Bob. I just think it's terrible for the sport. I mean, it, it, it's, the NBA doesn't really need to grow that much, but the ratings are down. We'll talk about the All-Star Game ratings in a minute. But it, what do you guys think? I, I think it's awful for the sport. Well, if you're going to load manage, load manage within the game. I mean, let Curry play and give him 15 or 20 minutes rather than 36. I mean, you know, and in hockey, I feel the same way. I do think hockey could learn something from that and not over, you know, burn out their stars on an 82-game grind, not to sit them, but Crosby maybe doesn't. Now, they're in a situation they have to play him because they're in such trouble, but early in the year, maybe play him 16 minutes or 15 minutes a night, and and, and that's how you can really load manage. But I totally agree with you, and they're never going to sit for the home games, by the way, because that's that's who's their bread and butter. You know, yeah. those fans they're going to take care of, but it's not fair to the road teams either. And, and, and I come back to this. Can you imagine if I went tomorrow and I heard – uh, that uh, that McDavid was a healthy scratch for Edmonton, that would be crazy. You wouldn't even think of it in the NHL. No. Now, if he's hurt, that's a different story. But we're talking about healthy scratches, and you just don't see it in other sports. Baseball, you'll see some of that, but even then, 162 games, your best players are playing 150, 155. I mean, so I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. I, I think the season, regular seasons are just too long in every league, and yes. that's the biggest problem. The games, there just isn't enough value placed in the regular season some of these teams in the nhl for instance they already know they're locked in i mean if you're the boston bruins you have patrice bergeron on your team yeah, i don't even understand why he's still playing 15 minutes yeah. you know you're in you're in playoff mode already I with would, him. i would be sitting him yeah. you know um, or at least reducing his minutes exactly so i understand why the nba does it and you know to me it's the league's problem and they need to figure it out and you know until they drop some regular season games i don't see it change we could have a long talk about scheduling and season length in every major sport and how i think with the way they've changed the playoffs in the last two decades they need to deal with that but we don't have time to do that right now but we do have time for your story so go ahead dave well uh, i want to talk i, I was going to talk about something else and then i realized what the date was and february 22nd is the 42nd anniversary of the miracle on ice and you know I did not, I'm 48 years old. I don't remember it. And part of the reason I don't remember it when it happened is, and it's hard to believe in this, in today's world, it was tape delayed. It was not shown live at the time. And a lot of people don't realize that because it's just so hard to fathom. But, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of people. We've all seen the movie Miracle. What a great movie. Maybe the best sports movie. I think certainly the best sports movie with in terms of the action in the movie. That's a whole other thing. We've got to have a segment on sports movies sometime. But is this the biggest upset in sports history? That is my question I throw to you. And I say it's, it's in the top two or three. It probably is the most meaningful upset in sports history just because of all the geopolitical stuff around it, you know, and 
And it really was, you know, the Olympics, the big stage, all that, all those things. But do you think it was the biggest upset in sports history? That's a that's a fantastic question. Um, and again, I I turn forty eight here next week. I don't remember the miracle on ice, but I know we've all we all love hockey. It's it's just such a huge part of the of the mythos of hockey. It's just one of those things that it just it gets bigger and bigger every year. When you listen to Al Michaels make that call, it still sends shivers up and oh, down 100%. your spine. It's 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 the most famous call in all of sports. To me, I remember watching my dad had a tape from a pay-per-view. What I would think, at least that I remember, was the biggest upset of all time was Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. But nobody saw that either. It, it, the, the world was a different thing a long time ago, like you mentioned, it being on tape delay. By the way, the number one sports movie, movie of all time is Teen Wolf. So, <laughs> you know, we'll talk about that later. So, Teen Wolf wouldn't do load management, buddy. He, he wouldn't. <laughs> oh, boy. What about a Bob? You know what? You put me on the spot here, Dave. You know I'm a planner. <laughs> I didn't have time to look at this one. I don't know what the biggest upset is. I can't think of a bigger one than that, though, off the top of my head. Um, and just the national pride that came with that. Oh, it, it, like and Dave said, it, it's, it's wonderful. I will chills. give you another contender for the biggest upset. And I'm a wrestling guy. I don't know if you guys remember when Rulon Gardner beat Karelin from Russia. Karelin hadn't lost a Greco-Roman match in 13 years. And this unknown American goes out and beats him. And most wrestling people think that was the biggest upset, ever, certainly in that sport. And it, I think it's got a case for the biggest upset ever. But I think in terms of the stage and the stakes and everything else, I, I would put the Miracle and Ice ahead of it. I yeah. think Hulk Hogan's victory. Over oh, Andre here we go. <laughs> oh, don't even go there. <laughs> hey, or Hogan joining the NWO. Oh. That was real oh, This is real sports. This life. is real sports talk. <laughs> All right, I got one for you guys. So the NFL, um, they have a decision to make. And no, no league adjusts better, I feel like, with their roles in the NFL. But if you didn't notice in the, in the uh, playoffs, and especially in the Super Bowl, there's a new tactic out there, and it was one that's been on the books. Nobody took advantage of it. The Eagles, though, mastered it, and I'm talking about the push-tush. Jalen Hurts gets behind center, fourth and one. It's nearly automatic. Three guys line up behind him, and they just push him. Uh, and I think they were 10 for 10 in the Super Bowl on that play. Do you think that that rule needs to be changed for, for next season? Yes, 100%. And I'm going to say, as a, a former football official, that play was illegal in high school because of the mainly because of the risk of injury. You've got two lines smashing together. You've got somebody sandwiching the quarterback. The, I'll tell you, if they don't make it illegal, when they will make it illegal, and that's when one of their forty million dollar quarterbacks ends up getting smashed and you know twists a, you know torn ACL or something because he's got all this weight coming down on from both sides and there's nowhere to go. Yeah, I, it should be an illegal play. I, I don't want the Steelers to do it selfishly because Kenny Pickett's not that big of a guy. And to Dave's point, I think he would get injured. Jalen Hurts is a much bigger guy. He's, he's, he's all legs, so I think it's fine for him. I think they will change it. The one thing I love about the NFL is they're flexible with their rules. They, they, it's a product. They realize that. They want, it's a, they want people entertained. And if there's something that needs to be changed, they're very quick to change it. And that is a wonderful topic we're going to get into yeah. more in future weeks about how different leagues handle the rules. So it, one thing that I would counter with that is don't put Kenny Pickett back there. Put Zach Gentry in and push him. <laughs> that's, that's a good point, too. I just don't want to make any play a common play where injury, I think, is a pretty 
I mean, you're, you're re- that's like a rugby play, really. And I agree with you guys. Sean Payton, who just was hired by the Broncos, said he could do that the whole way up the field. So I think they will change it, and I think they should change it. So we are uh, going to take a, one last break here, and we're going to come back with a brand new segment that we're going to debut, Get Lost. <laughs> Not you, but that's our segment title. We'll be right back. Rocky Grill and Bar in Brockway serves everybody's favorites. Open Wednesday 4 till 9 and Thursday through Saturday 11 to 9 with a new lunch menu. Wednesday is wing night. Get 12 bone-in wings for $12 or enjoy our delicious empanadas, street chips, brisket chips, or tacos. Dine in or take out. Rocky Grill and Bar has great seasonal drink specials. Make your reservation today. Locally owned and operated. Main Street, Brockway. Visit Rocky Grill and Bar on Facebook. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia? Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airline travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-298-5783. That's 800-298-5783. In the Pennsylvania Army National Guard, get a head start on a career in exciting fields, including science, communications, engineering, and medicine, all while earning money for your education. This training will boost your eligibility for a high-paying and rewarding profession, and you can get it all while serving part-time in your community. To learn more about the Pennsylvania Army National Guard, visit nationalguard.com PA and talk to a recruiter today. Paid for by the Pennsylvania Army National Guard. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson and Dave Glass. Man, where did this hour go? So we are almost done here, but I wanted to share one last thing here. The Facebook page, we do have uh, an under review Sports Talk Radio um, Facebook page, and we'd love to hear some of your thoughts on the show. We're going to post a discussion question on there for Dave Glass's question. What is the biggest upset? What would you say? We'll give you a chance to weigh in, but... Dave Herzing has a great idea. He had a great idea for this segment. Tell us a little bit about it, D. Well, yeah, I, I certainly can't take credit for the idea. A group of my friends, we call ourselves Loyal Sons. Loyal Sons are we. And we always talk about things that can hashtag get lost. It's something about sports or even things in general that just need to hashtag get lost. So, and we always have fun with it when we're, we're watching games and we're texting back and forth or if it's some sports story. It's just always something that puts a smile on my face. And I'm hoping people that are listening to this can think of things that they want to hashtag get lost too. Um, some things we, some uh, listeners actually commented on our Facebook page. Uh, one in particular commented hashtag get lost to LIV golf. Another commented hashtag get lost to um, the All-Star Game, the NBA All-Star Game. And another listener commented hashtag get lost to the XFL. My hashtag get lost forever is Juju's TikTok. 
Oh, my hashtag get lost is Ticketmaster. Nobody buys a ticket to watch Ticketmaster. Everybody's tired of these hidden fees. Get lost to the $5 hot dog at the at the hockey games, the, the baseball games. I'm cheap. I don't want to spend that kind of money. <laughs> and I got one more from, from another listener who tried to watch curling, and he couldn't find it because ESPN dropped it. So he says get lost to ESPN until they bring curling back. All right. That sounds good. And listeners, if you have anything that you'd like to hashtag get lost, let us know. We'll try and mention it on the air. We'll be back next week. We have lots to talk about. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Under Review Sports Talk. We'll see you again next week.